What is up, y'all? Denizens of the internet. Welcome to a wonderful, uh, amazing, and exciting episode of the Positively Cynical Podcast. Uh, y'all are going to love the, the positive subject matter of this one. But before we get into any of that, uh, let's do our quick intros for everybody. I am Jose. Oh, what's up? Uh, question here. I'm T. Fletcher. Yeah, yeah. How's it going, y'all? How's everything doing with everybody on this bright and sunny Saturday? It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. The one in the neighborhood gets. The one we get until it gets cold tomorrow. So. Mr. Blue Sky, please Take advantage while you by. can. Oh, now you're going to get this pulled for copyright, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I guess so. No, yeah, tomorrow's going to be a little bit chilly here in New York City, but it's a pretty nice day right now, and we're going to have this conversation and then try to enjoy the rest of our day after this particular conversation. Before we get to the conversation, as always, our quick little plugs. If you all want to support one of your favorite podcasts, you can look up hashtag Positively Cynical. That's the easiest way to find us on all your favorite social media platforms, including Instagram, Facebook, even TikTok, all that good stuff. I'm still a little resistant, but we do have an account. Um, <laughs> nice. We do have a TikTok account, so you can check us out over there. It's the future. It's the, it, it seems like it is. I mean, it just, got, it just got purchased by somebody for like a ridiculous amount of money, right? Or semi-recently. Um, so TikTok is the future, and I guess I'm, I'm not on that particular train at the moment, but we'll try to get on that at some point a little bit more. Um, but definitely slide into our DMs if you have any feedback that you want to let us know about in regards to the podcast. Again, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Positively Cynical, Positively Cynical Podcast, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars, because we're fucking great, and you all know it. So please, give us a good rating, because that's one of the, one of the other best ways for you to support your favorite podcast, one of your favorite podcast crews. Uh, anyways, today's topic, today's wonderful, exciting, and beautiful, and happy, and joyous topic is, uh, I guess we could call it, <laughs> we could call it the controversy that has been, let's just say the controversy surrounding, and we'll, we'll contextualize it in the conversation. The controversy surrounding CRT, critical race theory, this is a term that I'm sure every single one of you that's listening right now has probably heard in some form or another recently, uh, whether it's in the news, whether it's in conversations with friends, in real life or on social media, uh, or in reading shit on social media, y'all have probably seen CRT mentioned somewhere. So to get this conversation started, T, can you give us uh, a little bit of context as to what CRT even fucking is? Yeah. Critical race theory is a lens of legal study looking at how the people who wrote the laws and their biases affect the laws and the legal institutions and how that basically has a trickle-down effect onto the population. It is, not e it is not something taught in elementary schools or high schools or colleges or even all law school classes. Mm -hmm. There are thousands of law school students who have never read any critical race theory and are current practicing lawyers. Uh, CRT has basically five tenets, uh, the first being that racism is ordinary, 
that race itself is a social construct, that white people have benefited from civil rights legislation. They have done so because they enact civil rights legislation when there is an interest conversion, when there is a group of white people who will also benefit from putting forth this legislation. Okay. And finally, it is rooted in a more storytelling and counter-storytelling narrative rather than a statistical-based uh, theory of looking at law. So it is very special interest and limited to law school studies. Highly conceptual and not very, not very mathematical, not very like scientific in that sense. Philosophical, and more so. Exactly. Maybe let's just touch upon that philosophical bullet point yeah. about the constructed nature of race, according to this theory, mm -hmm. because probably the greatest irony I think about the conversation that's about to follow is essentially that. According to actual CRT, I mean, maybe we need a word for the CRT star, CIT, you know, some other acronym. I'm ACRT, actual CRT, if you will. <laughs> Again, race is not a biological reality. It's not a fundamental category that we can divide reality into. And it's based in what is now not a very controversial view at all within the philosophy of science, which is that when it comes to most biological quote-unquote realities, these two are sort of artificially constructed. So speciesization, for instance, in the philosophy of science, most people think that, well, species are actually defined on a more social sort of basis, if you will, by interbreeding habits, etc. And the idea here is it's similar when it comes to humans. Right, mm -hmm. that it's sort of a spectrumy thing as well. That race, as we categorize it, mm -hmm. is something that itself is intersectional. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely, one hundred percent. That that's a good way to categorize it, and we can definitely talk more about the philosophy regarding that later on in the conversation. What I what I want to lead into is kind of how how this is kind of affecting the way that the country is is legally is legislating, I should say, the teaching of history because we have a number of states, this is why this conversation is probably even being had. If it was something that was being thrown around in the media, as a lot of these things are bandied about on your Fox Newses and your OANs, and wasn't actually affecting legislative policy, and we will, you know, we'll get into, into some of the figures behind that as well in a little bit, but let's look a little bit at some of these laws and as many states where the laws are being passed, where many laws are being passed to kind of ban, quote unquote, CRT uh, and the teaching of critical race theory as it is represented um, in media, essentially, in punditry and not necessarily in reality or in actuality. In sophistry. To Fletcher's, to Fletcher's point. <laughs> exactly. Let's, let's kind of look at that. T, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I am getting this information from chalkbeat.org, C-H-A-L-K-B-E-A-T dot O-R-G. Just to cite our sources, it was updated last on February 1st, 2022. Uh, currently, they show that 36 states, 36 states. A long majority have uh, some sort of legislation or governmental rule restricting education on racism, 
bias and the contributions of specific racial or ethnic groups to U.S. history. Yeah. 36 states where they're basically trying to, to whitewash, very, very literally, American history, which is... As I was kind of saying earlier in discussions, I think that there's a very, very, even more fundamental sort of rooting of American history in white supremacy, in racism, in all kinds of structural differences between how different minorities and people of different identities experience, quote unquote, the American dream, right? I think that that's something that, that is, is very, very interesting and in what they're doing, what they're trying to do in these states. Uh, what's an example of a couple of laws as they're being written? Because you have a lot of states like Texas, Florida, Montana, some of these states that we discussed um, that are writing some of these laws that are, are trying to ban the teaching of quote-unquote history. So Tennessee is getting a lot of attention at the moment. Uh, their governor, Bill Lee, a Republican, signed into law a measure that withholds funding from school districts if teachers tie certain events to institutional racism, white privilege, and critical race theory. So Tennessee, we have an actual law. Um, Montana, by comparison, we have an opinion from the Attorney General, also a Republican, Austin Knudsen. Uh, this binding opinion bans critical race theory and certain kinds of anti-racism training in schools. He stated, quote, Montana law does not tolerate schools, other government agencies, or employers implementing CRT and anti-racist programming in a way that treats individuals differently on the basis of race or that creates a racially hostile environment. So a, a right. attorney general opinion doesn't quite have the same legal authority as the full law in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. um, Florida is, of course, always at the front of the race to the bottom. It's in a conversation <laughs> always for that particular, yeah. Mm -hmm. Back in June 2021, the Florida State Board of Education voted unanimously to ban teaching of the 1619 Project and critical race theory, which it defines as the theory that racism is not merely the product of prejudice, but that racism is embedded in American society and its legal systems in order to uphold the supremacy of white persons. Uh, you may have heard that recently, January 2022, Republican lawmakers advanced a bill in Florida that if passed, it would codify aspects of the Stop the Wrongs to Our Kids and Employees Act, announced by Republican Governor Ron DeSantis in December. The Stop Woke Act is uh. intended to eradicate what they define as corporate wokeness. Much better than the Sleepwalking theory. Act, which was its original title, I presume. <laughs> the bill limits wow. instruction on certain <laughs> concepts relating to race and sex, such as white privilege, structural racism, and the elusiveness of meritocracy. And can I just interject that uh, maybe we'll circle back to this at the end when we talk about the future of CRT, but if we're going to be uh, redefining of the term. I think, in Ray, what Teresa just said here, maybe we could think of it in terms of being critical of Florida's race to the bottom, 
right? <laughs> That's how I'm going to think about it here on out. The critical theory of Florida's bottom of the barrel yeah. competition. These laws aren't about critical race theory. They are about white fragility. And, and I will identify for the audience that I myself walk with that particular privilege. Uh, I apologize. You ain't got to apologize to us. If you want to apologize to the audience, maybe some people would feel better if you did that. So that's okay, it, I suppose. It, it is Black History Month, and and I want to apologize on behalf of all white people. You don't have to accept my apology. I will understand it if you don't, but I am nonetheless here to say I am sorry. That's the right question. Y'all get, y'all get a month. It, yeah, no, we get, we get 28 days. The shortest, the shortest month, month of yes. the year. We get 28 days, sometimes 29. The so shortest sorry. month of the year. It's, it's, I mean, it's kind of a slap in the face when you get the shortest month of the year, right? Yeah, but you know, there's nothing baked into the system. That, you know, just just you know, throwing it out there. Nothing at all. You get one month, 28 days, not even 30. Well, it, it yeah. could be yeah, 29 interesting. sometimes. What will happen if some of these laws go into effect during Black, if Black History Month is federally enshrined and we have these white fragility laws that won't let well, us teach about race? Let's talk about the calendar is actually really apropos, I think, because the calendar itself is something that is defined by the power structure, right? So why are there yeah. so many days in February, et cetera? Well, <laughs> the church decided that this should be so, so that it will yeah. line up with feast days much better. And here we've got, again, an institutionalized power structure literally determining our reality and perceptions that are just fundamental to it. it is it accurate that if we actually did 28 day months we would have 13 months evenly uh my lawyer has advised me not to comment on that matter <laughs> fair 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 um, that makes mathematical sense off the top of my head actually yeah, so, I, think so right? I would say that that's probably the case um, the interesting thing about the laws as you described them that I've noted is, and I wonder if this is a point of the laws basically, that they're very vague. They seem almost intentionally vague in the way that they're written. And I feel that whether it's an attorney general decision, whether it's a governor's decree, whatever, it's a law that's codified by the legislature in that state, the idea is of course uh, in in perhaps your in, in in our opinions, like to tie up the courts in some sort of legal battle surrounding this, uh, for whatever the end game is. Maybe to I don't know if CRT is going to end up in the Supreme Court anytime soon, but the way that things are going, it very well may end up being a, there may be a, like an anti woke law, ending up put before the the justices that we had in our conversation, the Supreme Court justices that we had in our conversation from the last time. Um, no, but this is ridiculous, though. I mean, come on. Man. Yeah. I mean, really, it's gotten to this point. Like, really, like, after all that we've been through for the past year, plus through pandemics, through George Floyd, through protests in the street, like, really, this is what we've come to now. All of a sudden, it's, well, we're going to get, like, well, butthurt pretty much by the fact that you're getting called yeah. out for, like, what's, it's history. You already know what's happened. It's out there. 
And that's an excellent point, it's isn't ridiculous. it, right? I mean, the idea that these specters would be so transformative if we acknowledge them, maybe that has to be addressed. But I mean, that's no. But I mean, America again. America just has to take a hard look at itself, and for some reason, it's never ever been able to. It's always had this ideal that you know, again, it's this American exceptionalism. You know, it's it's always been based in some sort of hypocrisy. I mean. Land of the free home of the brave, but we have slaves. We have people who, you know, don't have, we're considered three-fifths of a person, you know, who don't have those rights. And, I mean, wouldn't it just be natural to think, okay, well, when you give, when you, well, first of all, when you give people those rights, right? Which would be controversial. First and foremost. First of all. And then, you know, you're you're already, like, stepping, well, you're already starting from, say, three, four, five steps behind. Because I mean, three fifths of, of, of a step behind. Well, I mean, <laughs> very well. Unknowns. There you go. I guess you can say that. Yes, we we were sixty percent behind. Let's just say. I mean, it's insane. I mean, to expect that. Okay, to this point, there's going to be you know uh, some sort of equality. You know, I mean, yeah. And to put our age in context, mm-hmm. the people at this table are among the first generation born in this country without blatantly racist laws on the books. Yeah, it's That's not that long ago. pretty damn true, at least at the federal uh, yeah, level. Exactly, yeah, exactly, right? Maybe there's forgetting still a lot them. of state laws that are even on the books that might not be enforced necessarily. No, but, exactly. I, but I think that's a big part of it, though. Right. I mean, people keep on forgetting that, you know, the 60s weren't that long ago. You know, civil rights acts, voting rights acts, I mean... These are fairly recent laws. 50 years ago, 60 years ago, isn't that long ago. So when people say, hey, not necessarily get over it, but, you know, we've been through this and, you know, congratulations, now you have rights. I mean, yeah, since when? Like, again, not even a century ago. Ruby Bridges, the little girl who uh, had to be protected by the National Guard while she desegregated a school in Louisiana, is in her 60s today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, She's alive and well. Yeah. A lot of Mick people. Jagger is much, much older, right? <laughs> By <laughs> comparison. Right? Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing that shows you how recent this is. This is not ancient past. Yeah. Much older people are still out there. And and yeah, there are people who remember. There are people right. who, that's true. There are people right. who remember what how it was before, you know, we had the right to vote. You know, as a society, you know, black people, et cetera, et cetera. Even the fact that you mentioned Mick Jagger is interesting because there's this whole thing recently where they said they're no longer going to play brown sugar mm. in their concerts. Mm. And if you listen to the damn song and listen to the damn lyrics, it's about, it's very blatantly about like slave ships and slavery and like other things that I won't specifically say because they're just too triggering to even discuss without warning y'all. I'm not even going to get into it. Listen to the track and just trigger warning if you do, if you really listen to the lyrics. But it's even interesting that you mentioned that because that's another way that it's almost kind of baked into society how we ignored that for so long and until Great recently. And Great Britain outlawed slavery before the United States did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 100%. So that's like another interesting way to put it. Um, but so the other thing that... that I wanted to get into that I found interesting is that we all kind of agree at this table that this is something that is very much manufactured, this controversy around critical race theory. It's, it's being done for whatever reasons you might, might want to think of. I think it's just obviously a, a, a divide and conquer strategy by the Republican Party, very, very overtly. I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious. 
and to get to like really how to make the point of, of how overt this is, I want to talk about someone who's, uh, whose name is Christopher F. Rufo. Uh, he's basically just another uh, conservative talking head. Um, and to, to really drive the point home, uh, a lot of what he has very publicly said, we talked about saying the quiet part out loud earlier, this isn't even saying the quiet part out loud, it's very overtly saying what it is that they're trying to do in confusing this conversation, right? So just to, just to make it very clear, this is a tweet by Christopher F. Rufo. This was on March 15th, 2021. This whole thing is, is very recent, right? This controversy that we're seeing around mm -hmm. critical race theory. Um, we have successfully frozen their brand, uh, quote unquote, critical race theory into the public conversation and are steadily driving up negative perceptions. We will eventually turn it toxic as we put all the various cultural insanities under that brand category. And Christopher Rufer is somebody that's, that's obviously appeared on all of the, the very big conservative shows like Tucker Carlson. Um, he's had conversations with a lot of them and, and spread this kind of Fox News brand of hysteria. Um, and it, I think it's just it's, it's very interesting how in this age of social media, it's very easy for somebody that you've probably never even heard of in many cases to end up drumming up this kind of hysteria, kind of redefining something that wasn't controversial that long ago. And like like you said, question, like kind of making it controversial to give people rights or even discuss a, a period in history when the the rights of people were not equivalent in any way and that continues to happen to this day and to even discuss that is, is something that they're trying to essentially outlaw you know well in a way it's kind of like the fear of a black planet strategy in a sense you know like you create this boogeyman like the crt for the right more or less has become kind of like this umbrella term for all that's wrong with well what people who have been through that historically or have and been trying to express that pretty much for the past year plus after look bottom line it's 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 <laughs> if we all have shared experiences we all have different experiences in this country and yes there are in some instances some parts where it's a little bit harder than others for some people because yeah i have to say it it is baked into the system it really is i mean historically Again, when you start from three for this behind, when you consider someone less than, you know, and when you have laws that are fairly recently enacted, yeah, it's going to take some time for these things to turn over. And, you know, sometimes, again, accountability is a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people. And when you try to call some people out, or I guess in this instance, a country out, especially when there are people out there that see this country as absolutely perfect it's a hard pill to swallow when you try to call somebody or a country out and it's bullshit and i think what it is is there's just this fundamental mythology of the sort of march of time guiding us teleologically towards again the goal of this american exceptionalism right mm -hmm. our manifest destiny mm -hmm. so everything in the past is construed as a necessary evil in order to reach this cell, city right? on the hill as ronald reagan well, yeah. used to say misappropriating yeah. the language yeah. of king but again it's a matter of meritocracy right that's what american america has been uh built on like you pull up your bootstraps you play by the rules 
struggles and you, you know, you get to this point where you establish and you attain the American dream. But when the American dream is a little less attainable for others, then yeah, that's a problem when there are legal and systemic roadblocks that have been put in place in order to do that. Again, we had to be given the right to vote. And relatively recently. Fairly recently. Like in our, our parents' Civil rights were fairly recently. The fact, that, the, the fact that, you know, that, that they even said, hey, on a federal level, hey, you know what, like, we think you deserve to be considered equal, you know, at this point. 60 years ago. They, there, there needed to be an amendment. Yeah. yeah an to be amendment. Sli- yeah. yeah. And the fact that, and funny enough, back then, on a democratic level more so, there were more opponents to it, on, you know, as far as uh, on the political level. But, you know... Prior it, to the Southern strategy. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, it fundamentally changed the dynamics of politics in this country as far as just what side mm-hmm. you're on and who you were playing for and for idealism, you know, fundamentally. It's very fascinating what civil rights can do in America, again, when you have it take a hard look at itself. And when you, when you look at the fact that it's recent history, all right, let's, we could talk about, like, some statistics regarding how people of color and black people specifically experience America differently, talking about, you know, achieving the city on the hill, quote-unquote, like you said, and, and attaining the American dream. The average wealth of, of a white family in America is about $190,000. The average wealth of a black family in America is $19,000. That's 90% less, okay? And when you talk about how things have been recent history legally, um, something that, that you think about, I thought about recently was, you, t- you think about how white flight was a fairly recent phenomenon and led to some of the first suburbs in America. and. Th- one of the interesting things for you and I question being from New York is that the first suburb that is generally accepted where this occurred is in Levittown, Levittown. New York. Right? Levittown is, is where that happened. Well, Levittown is, but see, Levittown, I guess, now has been kind of seen as this ideal, you know, the idyllic suburb, you know, again, the epitome of the American dream. That's what you mm-hmm. aspire to be. You come back from war. America has given you the ability to, you know, it's granted you the ability, the GI ability. You can have mm-hmm. a home. You can have a college degree. You can attain 2. this. 2.5 white children. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, we have now given you mm-hmm. the right to, you know, to have that. You know, congratulations for winning the war. Again, for some others, you know, again, people of color, you know, <laughs> not, what a not fascinating so much. way to put it, though. The spoils of war, truly, right? Yeah. That's, if you think about it, I mean, that's the reward for winning, right? Hey, you get a house, you get an education on us, you get that perfect family, yeah. and you get to make us look good. Mm-hmm. And that's almost speaking to, I think, a point that you made earlier, T, about how many of the laws that have been passed in, in the end in America that were civil rights laws were beneficial for the, the white elite as well. And you can even go back to, to the Civil Fucking War when you're talking about how yep. slavery was abolished, and it was for a variety of reasons. Um, but a lot of them very much having to do with still the benefit of white slave owners. And, you know, and y'all didn't get your 30 acres and a mule yet, I don't think. 40 acres. Or 40 acres and a mule. And so, you know, here's so something that's They didn't really even give y'all that. No. Related to the legal perspective, just real quick, the idea to flash back to something, segueing what we were talking about last time with SCOTUS, 
Vague laws leave room for interpretation, mm -hmm. and interpretation requires yep. judges. If you have judges who are quote-unquote originalist, they are going to be using what we've been talking about as the hard-baked-in mm -hmm. systemic racism in order to well, interpret yeah, exactly. the very... So it's almost especially, a form of circular reasoning. Exactly. Is it ironic? Right? Especially <laughs> if they are elected judges. Indeed. Because, let's remember... That's always been the thing that's always weirded me. How do you elect people to... Mind-blowing. Yeah. How? It's just pretty strange. How can we even pretend that our judicial system right. is impartial and blind to political affiliation when there are judges who run for election? Yeah, I mean, I think of it even this way, you can go a little bit deeper. Like, it's, it's just another example about how everything that is created by humanity, period, is, is subject to any particular bias. You can look at something like... Like the Google, like the Google lens algorithm, whatever the heck it was called back then, how it's supposed to identify different elements in photos. Yes, yes. And mm -hmm. you all might have remembered very the controversy famously. where, it, very infamously, it there were photos of black people and they were misidentified as apes by the Google yeah. algorithm. And that's that's not something that a computer would generally do if if you no, think about AIs the logic are much of a machine than humans at identifying things so you know one of the famous yeah. sort of uh, comp sci stats is that ais can identify cancer much more reliably than humans mm -hmm. so this is very clearly a human induced bias into the algorithms <laughs> into the system which, every system which has a huge impact on the future safety of say pedestrians of color when there are white people owning uh, driverless cars. Cars being run by an algorithm. <laughs> yes. Cars relying True. on on facial recognition to identify people to stay to not hit them. Because mm -hmm. facial recognition software, all kinds of software, is is not really well programmed for people of color. Of any Sorry, kind. you're the same color as the asphalt. Missed you. Very much so. I don't know if I have faith in Elon Musk to program self-driving cars and not have any kind of bias. I mean, the man's from South Africa. We're not really sure which side of that argument he falls on. So, you know, yeah, we, we don't really, he's never really made that public. But, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just another example when we talk about all of this of how the biases are very much baked into every aspect of society, whether it's financial, civil, legal, technological, cultural, anything that you can, that you can damn near think of. It's baked into the society. Because white people have been in power for so long. They have built the table. They have set the table. They have lined everyone else up to it. And, and to bring this back to education, mm -hmm. what these laws are really about is programming children because they are afraid that... Uh, if children are taught to question the structures around them, if white children are taught to question their own privilege, it will threaten their inherited wealth. It will threaten their power. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It would make a, a huge difference. In, in, and essentially, it, it would 
take those structures of power off of the top of the pillar, and that's something that they don't want people to face or even reckon with. Because children have more empathy than the psychopaths running the corporations that run the world. Yeah, writing these laws and trying to gag people from teaching these aspects of history, which were already very much pushed under the table and uh, for a very long period. There's a lot of things that you can talk about that you didn't learn in school growing up, in grade school or whatever else, how, the, the, how certain histories were altered. When you're talking about very, very obviously somebody that figure like uh, Christopher Columbus. You know, we could talk about the colonized mind and colonization and how all of that affects things well, again, in another I mean, conversation. Let's not forget that our country but, was founded yeah. by a Christ-like figure who could not tell a lie. Right. <laughs> it was absolutely morally perfect. Except for one lie. Well, the lie the lie was by many historians probably where it was supposedly wooden teeth that were his dentures right. and we find we come to find out well, that they're actually Probably slave dentures. Well, you know, it's interesting, I guess, that you slave bring up, like, George Washington, sets. right? Multiple sets. Yeah, well, it's interesting you bring up George Washington, because, you know, if you think about it, you know, the way that this country was built, we could have pretty much nipped this in the bud from the very beginning, couldn't we? I we mean, really we could have. have. We could have just mm-hmm. said in the Constitution, hey, everyone's equal, the end. You know, yeah. and we could have just said... You know, there you go. Well, we said all men were created equal, and we thought we solved the problem. And, 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 <laughs> which, which also brings about, you know, the flexibility of what the law is. You know, do we say it on a literal sense? In this instance, sure, what the hell, why not? You know, all men are created equal. So now we have to write into law, okay, now, ladies, you know what, you have the right to, but we'll give it to you. And yet the ERA you know? has yet to be passed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The same way that it was as far as on That's a racial level. You know, it's like, uh, now we'll give it to you. You know, yes. we'll give you the right to vote. We'll give you the right to have the argument, equality. I believe, is that it's redundant or something, right? So, right. therefore, what's the problem? Right. right. It, just like the, have, vo- the voting rights doesn't need, don't, they don't need to be enforced by SCOTUS anymore because we the have fact them we had the end. We should all know better. Yeah, exactly. We should, we should all over. know better, basically, in quotes. That's the thing. It's like, the fact that we should know better doesn't mean that we do know better. Or, and wouldn't it be better to teach that or in order to make sure that that be, you know, maintains itself and sustains itself as a part of like the educational fabric? Again, it's history. It's happened. What's the problem? Compare the level of education generally of Democrats to Republicans. <laughs> that's yeah, that's what they're afraid accepted. of. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the Republicans the want to keep their voting constituents' children dumb so they stay Republicans. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a lot of ignorance about how, again, and I want to maybe frame history again very, very quickly in a, in a pretty real, real way, especially for you and I from New York. Um, we'll, and then I would like to maybe get into what we think the future of all of this is going to be. If these kinds of laws are passed, if it gets to the point where it's like, Going in front of the Supreme Court, the woke, the no woke law, or whatever it is. And, uh, Another bit of context for you. Question: um, Think about sundown laws. We just we, we, let's make a a fun example of a great movie that we saw recently, Green Book. Uh, the well, the Green Book essentially was something that was written for African Americans in the sixties and seventies that told them what towns they could go to and essentially safely stay in past sundown if they were like moving through that town that's why these were called sundown laws or sundown towns and this is something that actually is you know very much a real phenomenon to this day honestly Mm -hmm. but these are some i guess accepted places 
uh, in New York State that were sundown towns. And one of them, I want to note to you, would happen to be one of the places that you spent a great deal of time in. Really? Uh, Valley Stream. Uh-huh. In the 60s and 70s, where you lived for many, many years as a young man and as an adult, <laughs> uh, you would not be allowed to stay there um, 50 years ago past sundown. Well, you know, 60 years, Long Island, years ago, I mean, Long and, Island, you know, it's it's interesting just being so close to New I mean, York City. Look at this list while you say that, I guess, very quickly. You know, this is a list of there, places there are, in New York. Wow, There's a map here. There are here. a lot of places in Long Island. Uh, there's an, I'll, I'll cite this website so you all could take a look there. at it for yourselves and see from wow. your own state where there were these sundown towns that existed. And it's, it's damn near the whole state in many cases. This is this is a, just an example from New York. Yonkers. You can see oh. a list. Yonkers is definitely on there. Levittown, of course, is on there. Interesting. Elmont, a lot of different places. Everywhere is surrounding there. New York City. Imagine that. Everywhere surrounding you. Well, New York is on that list also, if you look at is it. Is it? With an asterisk. You know, what you won't see on there is Seneca oh, yeah. Village. I mean, again, it's a, you know, Long Island is a, a totally different uh, world, I guess you can say, uh, once you leave New York City. And if Y'all it wasn't a Sunday. Grass country? I, no, I've only I seen a few episodes of that. I was going to make a, a pop culture reference even as well, and maybe you could kind of make that one. Uh, spoilers are fine here. But like, even like on the, the subject of, of sundown towns, not necessarily, you talk about um, how anywhere that you possibly could thrive and stay, the most recent pop culture example being Watchmen, the TV show where they mm-hmm. talk about Tulsa, yeah. Oklahoma. And if there was a place where black people could thrive, and this was over 100 years ago, it got burned down or destroyed. And there's so many historical examples of that. I think that's a whole other conversation also. There's so many earth segues we have on this podcast for the future. But it's so, it's, it's, but but, again, there's, it's sad to say there's so many examples of that that people just want to sweep under the rug. Yeah. You know, I mean, that is in the, that's, that's a huge problem, though. Yeah. I understand. Isn't it amazing when you, when you kind of heard when this show came out how many of your friends, this Did was like in the know. summer of tumult, you know, surrounding the pandemic where everybody was facing up to the George Floyd riots and all these other things. And I definitely had a few friends reaching out to me who were, who would even talk about how like I didn't know this history of America of these places where people black people thrived. Well, and again, Seneca, right? Yeah. Here right. is something that yeah. I've only learned about recently, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So for a little bit of background here, this anonymous voice, uh, I have a doctorate. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've mm-hmm. been living in New York for twenty years. Uh, <laughs> I you know feel I know a thing or two. I have never heard about this in my life that there was a paved over black community right under my feet every time I'm in Central Park. How did I not learn yes. this yeah. along Sen- the Sen- line? Yeah. yeah, I had heard about there, that. At no point in education did I ever learn this. Yeah. Right. There are African burial grounds in Harlem. There are, uh, there are also some uptown, you know, that they just stumbled upon fairly recently. So this isn't just a K through 12, 12 failure yeah. is my point, right? right. At yeah. no level of institutionalized education yeah. did I ever get told this. It, it, you know, when I learned about redlining, wasn't grade school, wasn't high school, wasn't college. Mm-hmm. It was orientation of the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. I was... Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I had a bachelor's degree and had never heard about redlining. Yeah. Well, the first time I heard about it, I guess, in its truest form, was funny enough in college, I went to Michigan. So, you know, in Detroit itself, 
it was pretty much the heart of red lightning. So it was on its I surface, you know, English, we put it out there. Your degree. Yeah, and political science. So, you know, we would it was it was pretty much more laid out there for us. We knew, you know, as at least on an educational level what it was. But again, on an experiential level, I mean, you see it all around you. Again, you live in New York. You've seen I mean, how redlining impacts and affects neighborhoods. I mean, you want to talk about you know critical race theory on its surface. I mean, there it is, but in its truest form, you're literally cutting highways through neighborhoods and towns. You know, you're creating those tracks that you want to separate people from in order to see the other side. You're up. literally it, drawing red lines <laughs> on a map in the granite that says black people live here. Yeah, you're literally creating those Don't boundaries, those divisions. You know, for this a country that's worthless. always been equal, you know, you're creating those boundaries. Oh. You're saying that, well, you are allowed, again, we're allowing you to live here without essentially us killing you. I mean, that's probably you where the phrase the other side to. of the tracks come from. Well, I mean, we've reserved this land for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it, it's historically shaped, you know, oh. the way that people think and shaped communities, and it's been impacted and felt. Which this is day. one of the key tenets philo uh, philosophically of CRT. Yeah. Right. That exactly. intersectionality with historicity and exactly. formative and, forces. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's basically saying to America, hey, like, just own up to what you did. We again, we all know <laughs> that we have terms for it. So just keep yeah. on teaching it. That's all we're saying. Just you know, uh, just accountability. Keep on saying this word. Like, hey, there's a theory on it, y'all. Y'all want to actually find out what it's about? Right. It's called critical race theory. There you go. If you want to find out about it, no instead of saying, screaming about it in your school board meetings, yeah, it's just it's just own up to what you did, and we'll just call you out on it. I mean, and they said, you know, if you read up on CRT, you know, it's, it's, it's said to be an evolving theory, right? I mean. Just it's it's like a whole theory, right? Is it's empirically based? Yes. It is so not a dogma. Theory. It's not critical race dogma. It is critical race theory yeah, for that exact like, point. Yeah, it's, it's not a law. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, it's like critical race truth. You know, yeah. it's just right. you know, the world according to us. It's, it's mm -hmm. a theory on how we see the world. It's and a framework for how to look at it, if you wish. Excellent. If you wish. In the meantime, let teachers teach historical facts it's there. Yeah, just that's get done. <laughs> the parents out of the classroom but see that's the thing where it bleeds again into politics you know you have people who run on well in virginia again glenn youngkin won on that very fact pretty much a couple of months ago you know he took the fears that people had essentially the silent majority right we had that term back in the late 60s when there were protests in like you know in the late 60s and it's kind of in a sense read it's ugly head again why well, was it I want to see like we had. Let me rephrase. It's it's basically manifested itself in a different way now as a counter to what's happened over the past year plus. And again, it's more or less just a way of more or less saying, "Hey, all of your all of the things that we essentially feared are coming true." And you know, oh, the children. You know, now they're trying to teach. Now now they're trying to indoctrinate in quotes your children again, essentially to the truth that we've already known. Do these laws stand a chance in the age of the internet? Do they stand a chance of... Of, uh, of impacting truly the next generation when these kids can access the wider World Wide Web Despite whatever they're being taught. In well, schools. here's the thing: how far what reaching you are they taught in school well, teaches all, you how to interpret. But it's, 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 it's the, the, the fact that we have to have this conversation is just scary in and of itself in this country. Just to say, do we have? Do kids have to go to the internet in order to learn the truth? I mean, that's just that's a very scary concept in this country. 
I mean, I never I thought of it coming to learn about human sexuality, though, through the internet and Or through the cable box. <laughs> exactly. I am it takes honestly back concerned and forth in <laughs> about a future in which we have a multiplicity of internets. Like, we think of the internet as one thing right That's now. That's true. But, like... Three splintering off. Like, parlor, right? Yeah, like, there's a dark web, right? Right. We well, already have been, yeah. multiple internets, yeah. right? And I am worried about a multiplicity of internets in which, you know, our... Bubble, our bu- right? exactly. Epistemology at that point exactly. becomes subjective and constructivist, which is sort of the point, right? Yeah. Uh, they are railing against a theory which says race is socially constructed. They're trying to engage in a social construction of determining what our history was. Mm-hmm. Our history was what we, those exactly. in power, you can agree to be. Exactly, you can pick and choose right? what history yes. is. And, so and that's history. again one of the deepest ironies of the entire. Yeah, it's you know, it's like, and it's like, how did you, you think we got to this point? I mean, by the history that we well, you, all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you, you talked about the spoils of war earlier, and the, the cliche again: the history is written by the victor. Exactly. And the victor yeah. has always been mm-hmm. in America the, the the white elite, the male white elite, was in, was enshrined from the very beginning as as the victor in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, what what would this look like, right? Like if some of these things were to be passed, uh, like you actually kind of asked the question um, in the age of the internet, right? What is what would this be like? Like because kids every day can look it up, look up all kinds of history on the internet that they couldn't before. Um, I mean, it really depends on how far-reaching these laws get, right? Because we're talking about this kind of thing being censored in schools, right? Grade schools specifically is, is the target. But it's not being taught in grade schools. It's not being taught in grade schools. That's the thing. You're, you're banning, you're, it's like you're, cre- you're, you're creating a problem that doesn't exist. We play like the you're, game you're we banning laws for what? the argument that is itself That's what I understand. Like, this fictional, you know, windmill. And again, it's, right? it's weird. I guess I, I think about these things from a political point of view, but I mean, it's all you do is get people hot and bothered about something and you call it, you put a nice little package and you call it CRT. It's nice and marketable. And you bank on people's fears and you win. And then you say to yourself earlier, you know, Fletcher, I mean, pretty much, you know, you create a vague set of laws that can be interpreted however you want to, but you know it's a campaign yeah. promise. And there you go. I created a law that says you can't do this. Whatever this is, we can fill in the blanks later. Yeah, like, But this is what I promised I would do in order to get to where I want to go. So I'll give you what you want. And we'll keep it vague. And as long as the we'll interpreters f- are friendly to me. Exactly. Writer, right? Again, we can fill the gaps later. I did this for you, like, and I'm out. You know, let the rest of you all decide what this law I gave you is. Again, gave, right? This whole idea Again. of affording rights. <laughs> exactly. Again. They're not God-given if you have to hand them to somebody. The language, though, that we use here is something that's also sort of important, right? The yeah. way in which we intuitively talk reflects some of that presupposition of this power structure handing well, down I guess, from on yeah. high, Well, transactional, yeah. I guess, right? Uh-huh. In spaces form, it's a transaction. Again, you say to yourself before, again, you know, you, you get something that basically, there's a reward for me giving you, you know, uh, the right to, again, again be close to where I am. Exactly. You know, maybe, exactly, I give you a little bit more rope and that calms you down a little bit and that's, you know, what my reward. So it's, it, it, again, there are a lot of GDL. ways, well, it's a lot of ways to interpret the same thing. Well, to kind of the point about like how much rope you get either way, one way or another, without even talking about the, the context of, of talking about rope in this conversation, um, I think it, it becomes... The metaphor itself. <laughs> I, th- I think it becomes when you, when, you, when you put on the futurist, when I put on my futurist cap, uh, I think if you want to talk about how much it really matters as to how far these things go 
from a legal perspective, I think at this point it doesn't actually really matter anymore because I think the entire point was, if not necessarily to get to the point where you can legally muddy the waters about something like this, which in the end, a, a moderately objective court would say this is ridiculous and this is literally just the teaching of history and this is struck down. But it's just the whole point, is, as was stated by Christopher Rufo, was to muddy the waters, mm -hmm. to muddy the waters, to, to make Americans argue about this, to entrench the right around you know, certain, you know, certain principles, certain things that they can fight about and argue about. And I think getting out of that at this point is tough. Well, you know, it's awfully Regardless. hard. It's, it's awfully hard. It's, it's awfully hard to run a campaign against something when it's essentially fundamental. I mean, how do you campaign against hey, black people should have the right to be equal and not get shot in the middle of the street? That's, but that's not that's right. not even what they're campaigning against. I think the the fact is, remember, it's even more vague than that. It's it's there's no actual definition, and no one who is against this can really define what it is that they're really CRT against. Is what you make of it exactly? Again, theory. It's that yeah, ambiguous bogey man right yeah. if you can't put a form on it yeah. it's scarier in virtue I mean, of that it's, right? it's, it's, it's crazy it's undefinable horror exactly and it's crazy because again you know, you know you're reading laws as far as from different states again different states interpret crt differently right that's why you have governors that are interpreting this on a, on a, on a state level that's why you have attorney generals theorizing about this on another state level because again there's nothing that says this is what it is on its basic and Teresa, just to <laughs> check here uh, legally that is the role of the attorney general right to theorize <laughs> about academic yeah just check well, and, and that's the scary thing about the ones that get enshrined into law in terms of trying to appeal them up to the supreme court because education is by and large left to the states yeah mm -hmm. and yep. That's and as a result, education <laughs> is by and large left the states. I love how you trail off there. Right, like, if we truly want America to be the greatest nation on earth, then why wouldn't we invest more fully and widely in education? Why would we be satisfied with our particularly low ranking worldwide in education. Oh. Why wouldn't we want to do better? Ignorance is bliss, basically. Mm. That's basically... The, the ignorance of the majority is bliss for the ruling elite. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's so many ways you can take that statement that they're really are. It's just the perception. It as, uh... It's the perception <laughs> of bliss by, by the ignorant. That's the thing, right? Well, again, well, yeah, and, right. well, again you, you, you're, you, again, from a political you know, standpoint, you, you're selling people on an ideal. You're selling people on. Oh, yeah. That's why the we're future, making America right? great again. 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 <laughs> again right. We're not making it great. And, and I, I guess there, the, there's always that question that John Stewart asked, right? Like, what, what made America great in the first place? But I keep on saying the... Why not, was America great? Not to cut you off, I keep on saying the one thing I have to say about Donald Trump that I would love him forever for is that he made America take a hard look at it itself. It really, he really did. He called, he made America... Like, he just laid He brought out the ugliness. He laid everything... That's why he laid everything out exactly. He showed America its ugly side and, it, and they couldn't, some people couldn't handle it. the backlash, right, exactly. Some people couldn't handle it. These are the people and that some want people to put their heads embraced it. In yeah, sense. and, and that exactly. See people that exactly. enthusiasm that we saw. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I am. Don't so, put this in the past tense. Exactly. <laughs> and this is this is what happens when 
you see, um, you know, America see itself in a way. Like sometimes you, you, you don't, you, you kind of take it in differently. It's, it's, it's fast. It's fascinating. Like I said, what this man has done to this country as far as just kind of seeing itself in a different And again, let's light. not just give the credit to him because not That's only, only did, thing you know, Fox, you know, but with Jeff Zucker in the past but, week having to be dismissed and everything from CNN, just real quick, you know, uh, even the fake news enabled this man <laughs> so much to do what he yeah. did. Oh, well, right? I mean, a lot of what the media, so, I mean, not to go down to this rabbit hole, but I mean, a lot of what, I mean, it's, it's kind no, of true to me in a sense, but, you know, a lot of the media, at least for the past couple of years, has kind of been overcompensating for what it's done to build up Donald Trump to this point. But my point so, is, it was this sort of avatar conversation they could for project anything on in this more abstract you mean, power structure. You mean well, the, the projected $2 billion in free, free advertising, advertising that the billion. media gave him? Yeah. Is it $3 billion? I think, I I think it was after, and, Yeah, I could be wrong. I don't know. I that, that, that's still in the billions. And, yeah. and, and I will never forget, I will never forgive Jon Stewart and his likes, who I had admired so much before, who leaned right into it, and I watched him come down that golden escalator, and <laughs> and John Stewart was about to retire, and he thought it was so funny. He's like, "This is this almost makes me not want to retire." I'm like, "No, don't yeah. give him the airtime." Yeah, that, yeah, we all said, yeah, we all said the same thing, but again, for another for another conversation, sure, but just but, demonstrative of that intersectionality again, to bring it full yeah, circle, but, right? But just to say, exactly, a lot of a whole lot about this country has changed from 2016, and there's a reason for that, you know. And a lot of it is basically, like I said, what this man has laid bare to what this country has, you know, not really been able to want to see since its inception, pretty much. Yeah, you know. So it's like I said, it's, it's fascinating just to kind of see America just kind of deal and handle with again just. You know, being called to the carpet. You know, it's just sometimes, like I said, when somebody tells you the truth, you just you can't can't handle it sometimes. And this is kind of like how that's what white fragility is, my friend. Well, well like I guess there's a name for that too, isn't it? There's a term for it. Well, there you go. There's a term for it. Like like you said earlier. Does anyone else have any further thoughts on what we might see legally, culturally, sociologically in the future? Or should we all kind of like try to wrap this thing up over here? Does anybody have any further thoughts or anything that they would like to add to the end of this conversation? Well, I'll just say one thing. Just, yes. you know, as far as, you know, elections don't matter, you know what? They kind of do. So <laughs> this is, you know, midterm election year. There's election coming up in two, in two more years. You know, again, elections have consequences. You know, maybe just food for thought. That's all I'm going to say. Go vote. Maybe vote blue. Maybe. No, no, no! Just, just well, just votes, and let's all be critical. It's of a friendly suggestion. To the bottom, right? We at least suggestion. all come to the table on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Critical theory just of Florida's race oh, yeah. to the bottom. Well, right, that's uh, probably another. That's another conversation for another. We time. always say that on the podcast. There always well, is another conversation, and, and you know what? We have held ourselves pretty well. So well, like, yeah, it's another time for another list. That's a that's a conversation for another time. You and I have done that. That's well. true. I'm sure we'll remember this conversation about the conversation that we're going to have in the future. So, yes, yeah. Thank you all so so much, everybody at this table for joining me. Question T. Fletcher, I appreciate y'all for joining me for this conversation and giving your really, really raw and real and honest and informed thoughts on this topic. I want to thank everyone that's gotten this far and listened with, with us for all of this time. 
uh, you know, when the conversation was great, when, when we moved into some points where we were rambling a little bit, we're doing our best here and we're glad for, that y'all stuck around until the end here. Thank you very much. Uh, as usual, the quick plugs, the best way to support your favorite podcast or one of your favorite podcast crews, as I should always say and remember, is to hashtag Positively Cynical and then you can find us on all your favorite social media platforms, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the TikToks of the world <laughs> as well. You can find us on all of those places. Slide into our DMs on any of those social media platforms as well to give us any feedback that you have on the episode if there were any sound issues or artifacts. If you think we sound like an idiot, that's fine. If you think that we sounded great, that's fine. If you have any future ideas for episodes, you can give us a, a, a little bit of a ring in our DMs and let us know about that as well. And again, as always, the whole spiel, try to rate us on Apple Podcasts. That is a wonderful way to get some exposure for uh, these great conversations that we hope y'all are enjoying. Um, and yeah, I guess there's nothing left to say to y'all, but uh, peace. And thanks very much for listening in. Yeah. <laughs>